We are here in week four of our What If series, where we are wanting to start conversations for a better world based on the Ten Commandments. And this week's commandment might seem a little strange. It's actually, we are commanded to rest for a day, to work six and rest. It's called the Sabbath. It's based on the Hebrew word Shabbat, which means rest. And so we're here in downtown Chicago. We're asking people, what do you do on your day off? Basically, on my day off, I just spend it with my family. I spend time with my family. I spend time with my family. Pretty much every day is day off. I, I, uh, I sit at home and write uh, comic strips in my underwear every day. You know, just fun stuff. I usually do laundry. Paint. That's basically what I do. Or read. What day is off? Just nothing. Just nothing. Just sitting and staring at a wall. Uh, probably watch some baseball. Maybe go outside. Cubs or Sox? Yankees. Uh, I'm a big Dodger fan, so I watch my team do air. I'm single, so I'm living the single life. Oh, gosh. I walk. I travel. I'm with my family. I'm on Marco Polo. I like to eat. I work. I work from home. That's not a day off. Well, you know, sometimes you got to get it in. So when you're out like this, when you're not supposed to be out, you can have your field trip time. Well, good morning and welcome uh, to Christ Church. Welcome to those joining us from Crossroads Highland Park in the 01. Welcome on this holiday weekend. Some of you might not even realize this is a holiday weekend because you don't take many holidays. You're moving too quickly for that. You've got places to go, people to see, things to do. Your to-do list never gets finished. You try, you hope, But uh, for the time being, you live a life that is made possible by caffeine and you answer emails on vacation. There is uh, explanation for this, rationalization for this. So we hear that globalization has squeezed profit margins down so that everybody's doing two or three jobs and technology makes us always available to everybody at all times. So there are reasons why we find ourselves in this position. But it's not what God would intend. And so I have good news and I have bad news. The bad news is that uh, it's your fault. The good news is there is uh, a way forward that God has provided. And it comes our way by this fourth commandment. Exodus chapter 20 verse 8 Remember the Sabbath, word is Shabbat, uh, means cease and desist. Remember the day of rest, it's technically Saturday. I'll get into that, but remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner, who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, um, that commandment is perhaps a little bit bigger than you remember. It is, um, it's not just about you. <laughs> it's, it's about all those you influence. It's not just about resting. It actually says on six days you shall work. So 
there's, there's a, an argument to be made that this sermon should be, on six days you shall work. Perhaps some of you need to hear that. I know that all the boomers want all the millennials to hear the sermon, that on six days you're supposed to be working. Uh, that's the way it goes. But I think in this church, the, the, the more predominant need is to hear about rest and what that actually is and what it looks like. By the way, this commandment also has issues of justice and and some would argue issues about ecology and the environment built into it. It is a big commandment. But I think it's one that is often not particularly well understood. You may be in the camp that think that the last person that is going to be in a position to tell you about taking a day off is uh, a pastor because pastors only work half a day a week. That's what my fraternity brothers always say. So Woodruff, what do you do the other six and a half days? And how do we get that job? And so uh, I understand, yes, the, the line is, you know, pastors are invisible six days a week and incomprehensible on the seventh day. I know, I know all the jokes. The fact of the matter is I almost didn't speak on this topic, but not for the reason that I feel unqualified because I don't know what it's like to work uh, more than a half day a week. I, I have only preached on this topic, only spoken on this topic one time in 35 years. And that's sort of rare. I've been in ministry for 35 years, and so I've hit most of the big topics. I didn't think I'd ever preached on the Sabbath. And uh, I, as I got into my files uh, this month, I ran across a talk I had given on the Sabbath 30 years ago. But uh, shortly after that, it became, um, it just sort of became obvious to me that I was unqualified to talk about this because I have so consistently failed. And for periods of time, I haven't even tried. I've had seasons where I have really worked hard to try and have something that I thought looked like a Sabbath. And there's been other periods of time where I just said, yeah, that just isn't happening in this, in this life, in this world at this moment. And uh, so it just seemed hypocritical to speak on this. So I just haven't done it. Uh, so I've, when, when the topic comes up in the text or when I'm doing something on the, the Ten Commandments, I just get a guest speaker. And nobody knows. Uh, and, and nobody can figure that out because, you know, it's only once every 10 or 15 years that it sort of circles through. And uh, that was my plan this year as well. Two years ago when we said, oh, that fall, let's do the Ten Commandments, I just said, okay, well, I'll just be out of town. Uh, and I made plans to be out of town, and then those plans fell through. And, and some people on staff, Siler in particular, kept saying, you know, Mike, you need, you need, to, you need to do this sermon. And I said, yeah, it isn't going to happen. I mean, I'm, I'm a little worried that members of my family will stand up and point at me and yell, fraud, liar, hypocrite. And uh, I said, it's not going to happen. And he goes, well, it needs to happen. And I said, Siler, I, I can't do it. He goes, look, we live, north of Chicago, everybody's this driven type A personality. Nobody does this well. You need to wrestle with it and you need to do it. And I said, no. And then he came back a couple months later and they were, we were looking at people to come in to speak on this topic. And I realized... <laughs> Well, I do, I do a Sabbath better than that guy. I mean, look, if we just need somebody to talk about it, I can do that. So I have wrestled with this topic a lot. I have more in my files on this topic than any of the other commandments. I have bought more books on the Sabbath. I have tried to figure this out. And 
truth be told, I think in the last year I've taken some ground. So it's not from a, uh, I just want to be clear, it's not from a position that I'm saying, I've got this one nailed, uh, that I speak to you. But as a, a certain member of my family pointed out when I said, I'm thinking about speaking on the Sabbath, the comment was, well, it's not like you keep the other nine, so it's no problem. So, <laughs> so uh, look, here's the deal. The idea of one day being unique, set aside a holy day, and that's what the word holy means. It doesn't mean religious in one sense. It just means different, set aside, unique. The idea that one day is to be set aside in a different way starts on page 2 of this book. So we see Genesis chapter 2, verse 2, that after God had created everything, that he rested. Not because he needed to, he was not tired, but to set an example and in order to reflect on what had happened. In order to, in one sense, to celebrate the goodness of what had had been done. The next time we see the Sabbath developed is in Exodus chapter 16. The Jews have, have fled Egyptian slavery. They have gone through the Red Sea. They're out in the desert and they're completely unprepared to be out in the desert. There's a million or two million of them and animals. They got no food. And so God says, well, look, I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to send food and water. The food will show up every morning. Manna from heaven. The food is going to fall from heaven. Every morning you'll have food. Except, by the way, the seventh day. There will be no food on the ground. Because that is the Sabbath. So I'll give a deck, an extra portion of food on the sixth day. Because the seventh day needs to be different. And then, four, four chapters later, Exodus 20, where we get to the first telling of the, of the Ten Commandments, there we see that, that we get a, the first commandment that is stated positively is the fourth commandment. It's a big commandment, the longest commandment so far. And remember, commandments that are negative are actually more limited than commandments that are positive. To be told what you can't do means you can do a lot of other things. To be told you have to do this is, is pretty specific. You have to do this. So it is a big commandment, number four. Then we see in, as we move through the rest of Exodus, we come upon uh, Exodus 31, where, where the, the, the fourth commandment is going to be a sign of the covenant to other people, because everybody else is working every day. It's hard to live at this time. Everybody else is going to work every day of the week, But the Jews who are God's people are going to get a day off, a gift off. And they're going to learn to trust that God will provide even though they're not working on that day. In Leviticus 23, we see that this day is to be a day that includes time of prayer, time of reflection, time of worship, and also a time of rest. In in, uh, Numbers 15, we see that the punishment for not keeping the Sabbath, is death. That this is a big deal to God. We also see in the rest of the Pentateuch some development of the idea that that there's not just going to be a Sabbath day, but that every seven years and then every seven years of seven years there's going to be these periods of jubilee which are going to have a whole new set of rules that are a foretaste of of heaven and God's provision and, and the ultimate justice of the kingdom. 
And then in Deuteronomy, when the commandment is restated, because that's what Deuteronomy is, there's almost no new information in the book of Deuteronomy. It's Moses restating everything. When he gets to the fourth commandment, instead of saying you're to keep this day as a day of rest because God rested, he says you're to keep this day as a day of rest because you're no longer slaves. You were slaves, but now you're not slaves. So then we move out of the Pentateuch and we move into the prophets. And in the prophets we see that although the Jews have been coached to take this day off and there have been warnings stated about what will happen if they don't, that by and large they don't. And so uh, the prophets are railing against the Jews. Hosea and Amos say, look, God says, use it or lose it. Uh, Isaiah has a passage in which he says, you're keeping the, the, the day of rest technically, but not in your heart, and God's not happy. Jeremiah says, uh, Jerusalem is going to fall largely because of your disobedience, and that largely because you're not keeping the Sabbath. So then we rotate out of the Old Testament, and we get into that 400 years between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament, the intertestamental period. And there, this, the concept of the Sabbath sort of evolves a bit more because the, the Jewish people break into four parties, the Sadducees, Pharisees, Essenes, and Zealots, and the Pharisees double down on the law and in particular on the Sabbath. And so they create all these rules that are to be buffers around the commandments. So if the, if, if the speed limit with God was 30 miles an hour, they say the speed limit is 20 miles an hour because they want to be sure nobody comes close to breaking 30 miles an hour. And they really go uh, into hyperdrive when it comes to the, the commandment, or the fourth commandment about the Sabbath. So they divide all of work into 39 categories, and then they come up with rules in each of these 39 categories. For instance... One of the categories is, is tying knots. So there's a whole category of, of work that is tying knots. Now, in a, in a world before zippers and buttons, knots were important in order to keep your clothes on. And so everybody was tying knots. And uh, they said, look, you can't tie knots, but you can tie knots for your clothes. But the knots that you tie for your clothes can only be knots that you can untie with one hand. Then there's the, the rules about uh, what you can carry. And they've got examples of, okay, if you have a wooden leg and your house is on fire, the question is, can you pick up the wooden leg and carry it out or not? They say no. Uh, there's a rule about grandmother. If grandmother falls down, can you help her up? No, unless she's going to die before the end of the, the Sabbath day, which would be sundown. Then you could help her up, but only if you're pretty convinced she was going to die if you didn't help her up. I mean, they've just got... Rule, what happens if you discover that you've carried something in your pocket? And how much pocket lint can you have in your pocket before it constitutes that you're actually carrying something? I mean, these rules, well-intentioned but ridiculous, go on and on and on. So then Jesus comes along, and, and he is going to, he is gonna, you know, go toe-to-toe with the Pharisees over essentially two things. The first is his claim to be God— and the second is these laws about the Sabbath. And so he is going to honor the Old Testament laws. He is going to go into the synagogue on the Sabbath. He's going to spend time in worship. He's going to spend time in prayer. He's going to keep that pattern. But he is going to break virtually every one of their laws. And he, he says, look, 
Man was not made for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man. It's a gift. You've turned it into a master, a slave driver. And so he says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. We can do whatever we jolly well please. He has the disciples pick grain on the Sabbath. He heals people on the Sabbath. He goes out of his way to do good on the Sabbath. And this infuriates the Pharisees. When the New Testament ends, the last chapter of the book of Acts sort of carries us uh, about three decades out from Christ's resurrection and ascension. We then enter the next 2,000 years in which rules about the Sabbath and the pattern of the Sabbath undergo a couple more evolutions between then and today. Initially, there is a, there is a, a movement away from the Sabbath being on Saturday, which is technically what, when it was, to the Sabbath being on Sunday, the day of the resurrection. There's a whole lot that goes into that. It's fairly complicated. But, but essentially, the, the Sunday, the day of the resurrection of Christ, the first day of the week, is the day that Christians begin to say, this is going to be our worship day. A second thing happens in which two different groups of people try to change the calendar away from a seven-day week. Napoleon was one of them. In the 18th century, he issues the metric system in France, and he moves France to a 10-day week. You got one day off every 10 days. But the people couldn't do it. And then the Soviets in the 1920s came out with a new five-day calendar. They did not like a seven-day-a-week calendar because this was just based on the Bible. They didn't believe in the Bible. They didn't like this pattern. And so they issued a five-day pattern where you worked four days, you had one day off. Everybody had a different day off so that they could keep all the factories running 24-7, 365. That didn't work. So in the 1930s, they went to a six-day-a-week calendar. That didn't work. So in the 40s, they went back to a seven-day-a-week calendar. I have said, I think this is a pretty interesting example. We don't ultimately break the Ten Commandments. We simply break ourselves against the Ten Commandments. And, and the breaking may not be obvious for days, weeks, months, years, but eventually it proves true. The other big change that has happened as it relates to the Sabbath is in the 40s and 50s, people used to talk about a holy Sabbath. And, and the Holy Sabbath eventually sort of drops the word holy and it just becomes a Sabbath. But people still understood that it was a time of restoration. So it was a time in the shorthand vernacular to pray and in some circles to pray and to play. And, and the rest was not simply taking a nap. It was to be restored. And so you, you went to church, there was a time of worship, you prayed, and then there was a time of, of rejuvenation, whatever that looked like. Now, um, some, the Puritans got a hold of this and were a little bit heavy-handed, I think. I tend to like the Puritans and what they have done and said, but I think they were a little bit heavy-handed here. But we moved out of that. And in the 50s, 60s, we began to stop calling it the Sabbath and we began to call it Sunday. And now we get into a time where all the blue laws and other things that had stores closed begin to change. And Sunday moves away from being a time of rest, really, to being a time of amusement. And technically, 
amusement means to not think. Whenever you add the alpha in front of a word, it negates it. A theist believes in God. An atheist does not believe in God. To muse is to think. Amusement is to not think. So people went from saying, I'm going to reflect on my life. I'm going to look back at the week I just came through. How did I do? Did I lean into God's grace? Was I thinking about eternity? Was I trying to be the kind of person God is calling me to be? How could I do a better job next week? That was sort of part of the discipline of Sabbath. Now we went to saying, no, I'm not thinking about work. I'm not thinking about my life. It's, the, it's my day off. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch football. I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do. I'm going to not think. That's what I get to do on Sunday. Then 15, 20 years ago, we went into another transition. And I remember the first time I, I heard a Michelob commercial that said weekends were made for Michelob. So now we've gone from, from Sunday to the weekend And I remember thinking, okay, yeah, that makes sense in this culture that we've moved now to a weekend. But as I was watching it, it occurred to me, weekends aren't really made for Michelob. Weekends are now made to catch up. And so now we've we've made this Faustian bargain where we've given up a day off. And now we're just going 24-7 every day. And, and so it just, it just would keep happening. And so now more things that made Sunday holy, different, sacred, fall away. So now there's meetings on Sunday morning. There's hockey and soccer and all kinds of things begin to encroach and we, we move into a culture that is more rigorously secular and where we just keep going and going and going. Now, I would say that in the last five to ten years, there's been a little bit of a pushback on that. I have collected articles from uh, secular publications. So, I mean... Harvard Business Review and Inc. and Fortune and, and The Atlantic and Wall Street Journal and New York Times and, and USA Today, all advocating a Sabbath without ever realizing that's what they're doing. So the articles are about downtime and the articles are about pace and the articles are about margin and the articles are about rest and sleep and all these things that it says that we need and we, we've got to take some time off in order to recoup and that's the way life works. So we've seen a little bit of pushback, including, by the way, yesterday's Wall Street Journal had a big section on the need to not be enslaved to your phone all the time and how you can, how you can get by in this world. So we've seen some changes take place. The questions are, of course, nonstop. I've just covered 3,000 years in, in five minutes, so... I know that it leaves lots of questions. I have time today for two. Why we should actually prioritize this opportunity. And secondly, what that would look like in our life. There are other questions. Theologically, there's a discussion about whether the fourth commandment is still binding. Those in a dispensational um, Using a dispensational framework might say that was for a different era. Some people say, wow, the the fourth commandment's the only one of the Ten Commandments not repeated in the New Testament. Jesus did away with this. Uh, Look, it's a creation ordinance. There's wisdom here. Yeah, no, the, the fourth commandment, this call is still valid. I tend to not have an opinion on whether it needs to be Saturday or Sunday or some other day. Some people do. The Seventh-day Adventists obviously do. Uh, Dr. Carson at Trinity wrote a book from Sabbath to Lord's Day, arguing that it needs to be Sunday. There's people that have opinions on this. I don't have a dog in this fight. I want to talk about 
why you should be prioritizing a day, making a day unique, and what that would look like. So I have four reasons why you want a Sabbath. Number one, it is a gift from God, and you're a fool to not take it. It is a gift from God. Many people feel as though Christianity is just another set of things to do. And there is a a, a culture that suggests that those that are working the hardest or serving the most are doing the most of God's work. You could make the case that Jesus suggests that those who rest the best are actually getting it right. (laughs) We need a day. We need this gift to remind ourselves that it is not about our effort, that it's not about us, it's about God's grace. We need to come here, we're going to have communion in just a little bit, we need to remind ourselves that Christianity is not this I do, it's this he did. We need to just repeat the idea of the love and grace of God and how that should change everything. We need a time of restoration, realignment. How am I doing? What am I getting wrong? How do I lean more deeply into the call of Christ? So it is a gift that's been given to us. The second reason that we need the Sabbath is because if we don't take it, bad things will happen. I can think of two. One is that we break. So some of you have had this experience. My first year of ministry Uh, I was a college pastor, so it was like May, right towards the end of the first year, that I ended up broken and in the hospital, and they told me that I had some weird virus that they'd never seen before. But, But one of the older gentlemen in the church came to visit me, and he said, I actually knew I would be here visiting you. He said, and I also knew that I couldn't prevent you from doing this. You were gonna have to learn this on your own. He said that you can't keep the pace that you're keeping, right? You will break. So learn your lesson. You'll be fine. Uh, Others of you have had experiences similar to that. I talked, I wrote, I guess I wrote last week in, in the Friday update about moral residue, a new term that is sort of making the waves. Uh, It says, if, if you ramp up for a crisis or work or a big project, that's fine as long as you ramp back down. But moral residue happens where you ramp up, but you don't get to go down. you got to ramp up again, and you ramp up again, and you just keep going. And at some point, it's a moral problem because you start to feel like I'm not doing very good work. And that begins to accumulate, and, and there's this, especially among nurses, there's a new term about moral residue. So um, if, if you don't take a break, if we don't take a break, then we, then we break, and Depending upon who you look at, 80%, some would say 80% of the diseases and the problems we face right now are stress-related. So we've, we've got to learn to deal with this. The second problem, if we don't take a break, is that we may just race down the wrong path. And we never, we never pull up to say, oh my goodness, this isn't what life is supposed to be about. William Wilberforce, the great uh, emancipator of the slaves in the British system, Abraham Lincoln said it was Wilberforce's writing that that influenced him to to come out against slavery in this country. Wilberforce was a member of parliament, and he writes in his journal one day, uh, was going to run for prime minister. Thank God for Sabbath reflection 
and the awareness at the end of the day that it was nothing but ambition. I'm not going to run. We've got to have the ability to step out and to look at our lives, or we could run fast and hard down the wrong path. The third reason that we need uh, a Sabbath is because if we do this right, it, it doesn't simply change one day a week. It changes who we are, and it changes how we live seven days a week. And the fourth reason that we need a Sabbath is, is to remind ourselves of our limits and to grow in faith. So if you read the business literature about needing time off, The underlying theme there is always, if you take time off, you will do better work when you actually work. You're taking time off in order to improve effectiveness and efficiency. And I think there's arguments to be made on that case. But that's not the biblical argument. (laughs) And I didn't understand this, and it's one of the reasons why I kept failing at this. Because... I didn't see the return on the time off. And uh, the fact of the matter is, there may not be a return on the time off. But we have to remind ourselves of two things. One, I'm not God. And two, I have to trust in God. (laughs) And there are limits to what I can do. And at some point I have to say, okay, Lord, I've done everything I could. And I now have to depend upon you. One of the pivot points for me um, a, a while back, um, I, I have, as I said, I have been frustrated with my inability on this, and so I've read lots of books. I've been in conversations with, with older pastors saying, I'm failing at this, I'm failing at this. What do I do? What does it look like? And one of the comments that I got from a pastor was, uh, Mike, he says, I've had to realize, and he says, the hardest thing I've had to do, I will be less effective, I will write fewer books, I will have less of an impact because of the Sabbath, but that's what I'm called to do. And he says it, and it drives faith. The other, one other point, I'll I'll get to that. I just want to say, we need to take this time off and expect and accept that we are limiting ourselves in order to remind ourselves of our dependence on God. Nine months ago, I had a, a bit of a, a discovery, a, a sense from God that who I was was going to matter more going forward than what I did. And so I changed my morning routine. And I've talked a little bit about this. I added an additional hour into just devotional practices. Silence, more Bible reading, more prayer, journaling, and other things. Say, okay, I've got to... This church now does the things that I do well, this church does well. And the things that I do poorly, this church does poorly. And, and instead of trying to fix the church, i got to fix myself. And so I need more time with God, more time with Christ. And I thought, I didn't ever express this, but I thought, if I spend more time in devotional practices, my life will get better, easier, simpler. I will actually catch up. No, that hasn't happened. Uh, I used to finish sermons on Monday or Tuesday. I finish sermons now on Saturday. Uh, I'm behind, it feels like, all the time. Now, I hold out that if I do this right, I am eventually going to have some more clarity and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move in a, in a healthier, saner direction. But what I've had to learn is limits and trust. <laughs> limits and trust. 
And so uh, doing the Sabbath is going to drive us to understand limits and trust. Okay, I'm out of time, so let me briefly give you a few things that I think you want to do. And I say these with such caution because this is an area where almost everybody falls into legalism. It's what the Pharisees fell into. I would say to some extent it's what the Puritans fell into. The prophets rail against people who are, who are keeping this technically but not getting it right in terms of its essence. And so it's with, with caution that I just make some observations. One, if you want to keep a Sabbath, it's very much about the other six days. <laughs> okay? It's going to be about an ethic and discipline in the other six days. In order to have a day in which you actually are resting, it's going to have to look different the other six days. Secondly, I think you're going to need to make it personal. This was a, another insight from a pastor that was helpful to me. Uh, he said, look, if, if you work with your hands, then what you need in Sabbath is probably not working with your hands. It's reflection, it's writing, it's reading. He says, but if you live in your head, if what you're doing all the time is reflecting, writing, and reading, then your Sabbath needs to look, probably you're working with your hands. It needs to be something that is going to be different. It's got to be separate. It's got to restore you. And all the stuff I had been trying to do was more of the same stuff. So he sort of said, Mike, I'm going to give you permission, and I'm going to pass this permission on to you. I'm going to give you permission that you need a time of prayer, but you need to play. You need to pray, and you need to play. And whatever restores you. At the end of the day, if you look back and you say, my passion for God is brighter my, my relationships with, with my family are stronger. I'm in a better place. I'm ready for the week. He says, whatever that looks like. He says, if that's working in the yard, if that's sailing, if that's sleeping, if that's watching TV, do whatever works for you. He says, so pray and play. And then um, the last thing that I'll say is where I have had the most success is in more Sabbath every day. Like, More reflection every day. I hold out some hope that I'm in the baby steps. I realize now that not working is hard work for some of us. And I hold out hope that that I will get better at it. But it it is disciplined. But I'm taking baby steps every day. And it is a gift. It is clearly a gift. One last thing, and then I'm out of time. I have on on my desk a jar of Mississippi River water. And it's got a lot of mud in it. I let it sit there, and all the mud filters out. And I can see through it clearly. And every once in a while, I pick it up and I shake it. And I go, this is my life. I can't see anything through it. But if I will sit, if I will rest, if I will slow down, then all the mud filters out and I can see through it. And to me, that's a great metaphor for the Sabbath. Let me pray for us. Lord God Almighty, thank you for this gift. Forgive us for believing or living as if we believe that uh, our life depended upon us and everything had to get done and, and that it's all up to our frantic efforts. Forgive us of not understanding again that you are God and we are not, accepting the limits of being human and not trying to be God. Forgive us... For, uh, for not trusting that you will provide. I pray uh, for all of us that we will take steps into a greater sense of your Sabbath rest. We look forward to heaven 
which is the ultimate Sabbath restoration, and we pray that uh, we move in that direction even today. In Christ's name, amen.